all good things must unfortunately come to an end. The Knicks were beat down once again on Wednesday as the Hawks ended their season taking the series four games to one, eliminating the Knicks on their home floor at Madison Square Garden. We look back at a rough playoff showing the memorable year, though, that the Knicks gave us and look ahead to what should be an exciting offseason. Who stays? Who goes? What players might the Knicks target in free agency? It's all next on the season two finale of Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post. It's the season two finale of Big Apple Buckets following the Knicks elimination on Wednesday at the hands of the Atlanta Hawks. It's our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks big man, Jerome the Junkyard Dog Williams. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, as well. Follow the entire crew on Twitter, at Sal underscore Licata, at Junkyard Dog JW, and at Jake Brown Radio. And you can also go into Apple Podcasts now, and please give us a five-star rating and write a nice positive review. We appreciate all your support this season. And going on the offseason ahead, of course, we're going to need that support. Make sure you can hit those positive reviews. So we're back. Make sure, if you aren't subscribed, you could do so on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen and catch up on all the episodes and the guests you might have missed this season. And, you know, JYD, here we are with the Knicks eliminated. It was a season that was a fun one. It was one that I compared many times to the 90s and talking about how exciting this year was. But to have it end the way that it did in the postseason, it was extremely disappointing and extremely frustrating. You know, the Hawks talk smack. They backed it up. And really, there's no other way to say it. They absolutely dominated this five-game series from start to finish. Yeah, they absolutely did. It was a definitely something that eye-opening for a lot of the players on the Knicks team, just based on not having that playoff experience, seeing it for the first time. You know, I remember my first playoffs where it just came down to the grind. And you could see the grind kind of wear on these new Knicks in the playoffs where playing the same team, looking at the same play over and over again. It's a mental game. I mean, mental is more mental than physical at, at a lot of times, especially in the later rounds. Because the first couple of games, you were able to feel off of your energy, right? You're able to do things and, and, and get through things because of the energy, the crowd. But after a while, the Atlanta Hawks were just able to show that they had figured out how they were going to score, what they felt as though the Knicks could not have an answer for. And they were just going to run it and run it and run it over and over and over again and win the games. And you saw the confidence build in Atlanta, and you saw the confidence deflate in the Knicks. They didn't have any confidence. So a couple of things, and there's many levels to it. First, let's start with Julius Randle. I mean, he was the guy who was the Knicks MVP. He played like an MVP of the league for the majority of the year. At the very least, should have been one of the finalists, I thought. He was an all-star for this team. And then in the postseason, JYD, I mean, whether it's postseason jitters, whether it is him, I hate to even use the word choking but that's kind of what happened here when you factor in where he was in the regular season to what he did in the postseason that hurt the team severely they went as Julius Randle went all year long and it's not like the double teams and triple teams were new Tibbs said it wasn't I mean they, they saw that throughout the course of the regular season Randle handled it well there was a significant fall off how about the disappointing play of their star their all-star Julius Randle in the postseason you know it's a combination of not uh 
like you said, they they saw some double teams during the regular season, but you don't see the type of floor shrinkage in the regular season that you do in the playoffs. The floor shrinks in the playoffs by at least two feet. And those two feet seem like a closet, you know, when you get to the into the playoffs. And I think that's what really frustrated uh, Julius Randle's game. Because overall, he usually always had a plan B for his movements, his offensive tenacity. That's how he got most improved. And I think that when that floor shrinks and takes away those angles and takes away those mere plan B opportunities, such as his passes. He does a lot of spin moves into his offensive set that are not there in the playoffs because there's either either a guy anticipating that spin move because he's seen it enough times to know what he's trying to do and to where the team is able to react. They don't do that in the regular season. Regular season, you got, you got a double team and you know, you're pretty much, that's what you're giving them and you're on to the next team. Um, you don't have the time to go into detail about what a player's strength is and how to break it down. Atlanta Hawks had that, and they were able to show this is how you stop Julius Randle in the postseason, and this is what you need to do. Now, having said that, now's the time to go back into the lab, Julius Randle, get into the gym, and figure out what his next move is going to be and work on his game to uh, prevent that happening from for next year. That's something that now is going to come into question. Remember, before the year, and we talked about this in episode one, and you were right on about Julius Randle potentially being able to transform his game, and he did just that. However, this playoff edition of Julius Randle was reverting back to the old Julius Randle, so I'm sure there's going to be some doubt and skepticism moving forward now about what player he actually is. You mentioned the adjustments or lack thereof from the Knicks. I mean, the Hawks played a physical game. Trey Young dominated the series. Nate McMillan outcoached Tom Thibodeau as far as I'm concerned. The Hawks were a better defensive team. The Knicks didn't have an answer. Clint Capella, who talked smack backed it up. He was a force in the middle. I mean, JYD was like I was watching Dikembe Mutombo out there in his prime. The Knicks could not get to the rim because of Clint Capella. He altered that game severely. They were to a point where they either went in and got blocked and got swatted out or they were afraid to go inside the paint. I mean, they got dominated inside too by a Hawks team that we didn't think. Remember, we all wanted or at least the majority of us did, wanted the Hawks because we thought that that was the one matchup where maybe the Knicks could win a first round series knowing that the Knicks had limitations they got dominated by the Atlanta Hawks. How about just the play of Atlanta, the coaching style of Nate McMillan as compared to Thibodeau and being outcoached and really being outplayed in every aspect of the game through the five series? Through the five Man, Capella was a beast. I mean, I can just tell you from the way he played, but, you know, to your point, you know, whenever you're telling someone you're going to do something and there's nothing that they can do about it, that's pretty compelling. That's usually the straw that breaks the camel's back that players usually get up for. And I was surprised to see that the, you know, there was really no answer for that. I was surprised to see that that wasn't something that just, you know, got them to the point where they were just so pissed off that they were just going to do whatever they could do. But whenever this, you know, a guy like Capella is averaging a solid double-double throughout the playoffs, throughout the first round, I mean, 14 and 15 last night, respectively, with steal, two blocks, I mean, that that's a stat sheet that just screams, I'm here to win. I'm here to do what it takes to take over for my team and be that anchor down low, you know, because it's it's not that he only had two blocks. It's how many shots did he alter? How many shots was he able to deflect and make someone make another decision and force someone else to rotate? That's what makes going up against teams harder. And he came alive in the, in the playoffs. Clint Capella came with his lunch pail. He told them what he was going to do. He said there was no answer. He talked smack and there was no response. So you got to give, you got to tip your hat to 
Capella, number one. The other kid that I felt was like a dominant force, didn't have a big game, a huge game, was DeAndre Hunter. I mean, this kid here, he was lightened up throughout the playoffs. He only had eight points last night, but throughout this playoffs, he's been there. He's been that fire off the bench. He's been doing what he's been doing during the regular season, you know, averaging 15 points during the regular season. He came in this playoffs and really, you know, held his ground, was really that boost that they needed off the bench. And when you look at the game, first quarter, tie score. It's the second and third quarter. Second and third quarter for the Knicks throughout the playoffs, primarily the third has really been, especially last night, was where they did their damage and created their separation. Yeah, the third quarter, the fans kind of got out of it. I was there, and, you know, people were getting worried. It was you were sitting on your hands a little bit. It became a double-digit lead like it did the game before, and things kind of got out of hand, and you were hoping for a hope and a prayer in the fourth quarter when they were down 12, but it really felt like they were down 20 the way that they were playing. And uh, JYD about Capella, I mean, I thought that would really motivate the Knicks. I was pumped. I tweeted about it. I said, Knicks in seven. Let's go. This is the trash talk they need. And it's like when you send a great text to a girl, a witty text, and you get no reply. I mean, it's happened to all of us. Maybe not you guys since you're married. Clearly, they, the, the, the real one replied. I was going to say, speak for uh, yourself, Jake. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they, did, they didn't send that reply. The girl didn't text back. The Knicks were the girl, and they did not text back. Or maybe it was vice versa. I don't know. That was probably a terrible analogy. But you know what I'm trying to say is that the Knicks didn't have an answer for that smack talk. The only smack talk that they had was R.J. Barrett responding to our own Mark Berman of the New York Post, who I gave a fist pound by the way after the game i don't know if he noticed that was me he thought it might have just thought it was just some guy but pounded berman but berman said and then you know he said you know if you guys lose and he and i think uh, rj barrett said stupid ass question we're gonna win so well you didn't win so they didn't back up the talk they looked like they were out of gas guys in that second half they looked like they were checked out you could say they were checked out Sunday. Maybe there were some Memorial Day post-game activities going on. Who knows? But they clearly looked like a team that was checked out and, and ready to go home. And, you know, that's the negative side of things. And the good side of things at the Garden Wednesday night was they did get their standing ovation. They won 41 games. They shocked the world. You did see the fans show their love and appreciation for what a shocking, surprising, stunner, whatever adjective you got for this season. Because we all said before the season, 30 wins was a steak dinner. 30 wins wouldn't get you in the playoffs. They topped that by 11 games. So that's the positive as we look back on a season that was unexpected and unforgettable, memorable, but ending in disappointment. And you have to look at the positive. Because, Sal, if I had told you we were going to have a steak dinner at the beginning of the season, we were going to make home court advantage for the playoffs, we were going to at least win one game in the playoffs. You would have probably said, hey, I'll take that all day. Of course, but the expectations do change, and they got embarrassed. See, I'm not upset that the Knicks lost to the Atlanta Hawks in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, you knew going in, it wasn't like the Knicks were going to dominate, even though we might have expected, and I picked the Knicks in six, even though we might have expected the Knicks to win and then lose in the second round. I'm not mad that they lost the first round. We understood that could happen. However, I am mad and extremely disappointed, and I have a bad taste in my mouth because of how they got their rear ends kicked in every single game. This should have been a sweep. Atlanta dominated. You know, even in game five, Atlanta shot horribly from downtown and they still clobbered the Knicks. So that's why I have a problem is that we did not see, not once in the playoffs, the team that we fell in love with in the 72-game regular season, Julius Randle being an MVP, being an all-star, R.J. Barrett developing, working on that outside shot, improving throughout the course of the season. We didn't see that at all for one full game 
team through the five games in the playoffs. That's what bothers me about it. And then I would have concerns moving forward. One other thing before we start to focus on the positives, which I don't know if I'm going to get to or be able to get over that hump, especially not now, right after the loss and the elimination and the embarrassment in that series as they got outclassed in every single area. But you mentioned the struggles late second half, or excuse me, late second quarter, third quarter, they got dominated. That started when they made the move to start Derrick Rose. And remember how big of a, a talking point that was, dating back to the regular season. Get Peyton out of there. We want to go with Emmanuel quickly. All regular season, that was the theme until quickly finally cooled off and fans understood, all right, maybe there is something here with Peyton. And then not until game three did the Knicks finally and Thibodeau finally decide to start Derrick Rose. And they got blown out in all three of those games, games three, four, and five. And Tibbs even mentioned it saying, yeah, well, we bet we started better in these games with Rose, but we didn't have an answer in the, you know, at the end of the first half or in the third quarter. That's a problem too. So because they started Rose, yeah, they got off to better starts for the most part, but they also lost a lot as far as coming off the bench. And it just shows you that really the Knicks don't have much at all when it comes to depth on this team. I didn't understand why Frank didn't see a minute. Once Peyton was out of the rotation, why is Frank's, you know, as we said the last show, why is Frank's only possession the game that, you know, might have decided the series? I mean, that that could have been game five last night, tied 2-2, uh, going back to Atlanta 3-2. So Frank's only possession came in the final seconds of game one once you determine that Peyton was not going to play which was the right move because he stunk up the building the first two games Frank should have saw some action 12 minutes 15 minutes 10 minutes put him in there see what he's got on Trey Young because whatever you were throwing at him wasn't working throw the kitchen sink the kitchen sink might have been bonjour monsieur je m'appelle Frank Nilakina and we didn't see that Comment so va? no no <laughs> como allez-vous do something bonjour all that. you absolutely right. I take that. I take that, Jake. Definitely throw in some French cuisine because it needed to be some cooking in the kitchen. The kitchen sink should have been thrown at them. Absolutely. I agree. Dog pound approved. And I don't understand why that would be the case. We talked about if you're going to sit Alfred Payton, fine. I think everybody understands that. But just leave Rose and quickly alone in their roles coming off the bench because they were thriving in that area and go with Neil Aquina. And you're right, Jake. I mean, it, it gets overlooked because the series was such a, a squash where Atlanta dominated here. But game one, if you're trusting Frank Nilakina enough to put him in the biggest moment of the series in game one, and I thought that that was a mistake, not putting your player in a position to succeed, right? He hasn't played all game long. You're going to throw him in with two seconds to go and try to have him stop and do the impossible, stop Trey Young. I mean, come on. And that was a huge game in the series. Clearly, and the Knicks went down. He had Neil Aquino there. If you could trust him to do that, why wouldn't he get at least a few minutes to start? I, I don't know. So that's why you could blame Tibbs is a little bit a little bit as well because the adjustments were not made. Reggie Bullock on Trey Young wasn't working for both Bullock defensively or nobody's going to stop him. So do figure out something where you can at least conserve the energy of Reggie Bullock offensively. I, I don't know. I, I thought that he handled that. Now, he knows more than I do, certainly. And this is the first time, guys, it's the playoffs, so we put the ultimate microscope on Tom Tibbs. You, you don't get this kind of microscope in the season, so obviously we're going to criticize him more. He pushed so many right buttons all season. He's Tibbs, all faith in Tibbs. 
But you have to. It's the playoffs. You got to put a microscope. So that's the one thing was with Frank, some rotations. Alec Burks, like you said last show, Sal was trying to be Steph Curry out there. I mean, dribbling behind the back into defenders, turning it over. The Knicks were so sloppy at some point to this game. And, you know, I think it, here's the good side of what you're saying is that these guys now have that playoff experience. They see what it's like. They see the garden. They see the opposing arena. These young players who haven't seen it before. And Emmanuel Quickly, who at times shined, making a couple threes here and there. You know, Obi gave some good minutes. So these young players immediately, especially with Obi and Quickly in their rookie seasons, have playoff experience. And that's going to be valuable for a team that we'll talk about looks to expand upon that with all the money they have coming off the books, all these one-year deals. What about some of those one-year deals, Sal and JYD? Let's start with Derrick Rose. Do you bring back Derrick Rose for another one-year deal? Absolutely. Absolutely. He he thrived in the role as a six man. He was up for six man of the year, basically close second. And, you know, why wouldn't you want that type of leadership in the locker room? He was a good player, a good person, a good steward of the city. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no even no question about that, because in order to thrive in the playoff atmosphere, Derrick Rose showed that he at least got us one win. Right. He hurt them in game five where he started to fall off a little bit, which, look, he couldn't keep up the pace that he was going at the entire time. I understand that. Yeah, I'm not opposed to bringing D. Rose back, but you have to remember that he's not going to be brought back to be the starting point guard. He's not going to be brought back to be relied upon to do what he did for the Knicks the majority of the year. Come off the bench and fill that role, maybe be the sixth man. Sure, maybe that's... Yeah, but he's been coming off the bench for everybody. Minnesota, all these teams. Yeah, he's... We're bench. He's coming off the bench. Well, no, right. That, but that's where he's going to thrive in the playoffs. Obviously, the Knicks had to have him be the lead point guard. So we have to understand that he's not going to be the lead, uh, lead point guard. He's going to be. He'll have limited minutes. He'll be coming off the bench, and that's a spot where he succeeded in. I have no issues with that whatsoever. But clearly, they're going to need more. You know, it starts with that just having a nice bench with D Rose on it, being the backup point guard, the veteran guard who can get the message from Tibbs to the rest of the team, and so on. But they need a real. I mean, they need a starting point guard. That's the problem. So yeah, you bring. Back- yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that. Their wish list. There's some names out there that they might go after. What about Alec Burks? I he, I called him Jekyll and Hyde because at times no, he was fun. I'm over him. You're over uh, him. I'm Six over million him. Yeah. this year he got paid. He had, and I liked Burks for a little while. And I thought he was, see, here, here's the problem. He was a good piece for the regular season through the course of the 72 games. Too inconsistent. And he's, I don't want to see him bringing the ball up. Enough of this. Behind the back dribble, taking bad shots, left and right. No, and then uh, another streaky you guy. You sound like my AAU coach. I'm literally telling kids, do not bring the ball down and put it behind your back what the hell in the doing? open court. That's like, that is literally like makes my eyes cringe. And if I had some hair, <laughs> only because I cut it, only because I cut it, Jake. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd sure. Throw, I'd pull it out myself. You were balding too. When kids do that. JYD's like, balding. Are you, going by, are you just want to just give the ball to the other team? That's what you're doing. <laughs> how, how does Tibbs let him get away with a move like that? Like, I, what are we doing here? This is the NBA. Well, it's you it's harder to erase when you're giving them a check now. That's see, that's something totally different. You can't. Kids, I can. I, there's some things I can do. There's bathrooms. I can take them around a corner. I can take them into the car. Like, look, make my presence felt. Make them feel the dog pound. But with players that actually get a check on the first and the 15th, that's a little tougher. For $6 million, I'm not completely against If they could bring him back for one year, $6 million, 
I'm not going to lose sleep. I think he did enough in the regular season where he could warrant a one-year deal. But if you lose Alec Burks, I'm not losing sleep. What about Frank Nilakina? I think it's pretty much a lock. He's not coming back. He made $6 million this year and did nothing. I don't think – I think that was just a draft bust by Phil Jackson. Uh, well, he, if you he, give me the choice of paying Alec Burke or Frank $6 million – Burks, of course. I'm going to take the behind-the-back dribble in the full court. <laughs> Right. Well, because at least he could give you something. Yeah, I mean, if you're comparing those two, and remember, too, assuming that the Knicks do the right thing, and I know we'll get into that a little bit as far as upgrading the point guard position, and you could even talk about already Luca Vildoza, who's going to be here next season, and he's kind of a combo guard, but can be more of a point guard. Neil Keen has got no role on this team. If he couldn't find any time to get in the, in the postseason and get minutes, try to slow down Trey Young and be a defender, even if not just Trey Young, be a defender on the perimeter where the Knicks clearly needed help in this series, then what's the point? Burks, you can move and just have him play off the ball and let him be a true two guard off the ball i maybe be okay with that off the bench as a depth well, he showed what he could do in certain games off the ball he lit it up a few games he made some mistakes but you know alec burks came up big in a few games where he got hot and game one, it was great. So, I mean, he's inconsistent, but if he gets going, it, off the bench, he's fine. You're not going to have all-stars every position, clearly. Off the bench, he'd be all right. I would just try to limit the times that he brought the, you know, to zero, the times that he brought the ball up and was running point like he's Steph Curry, uh, and he's not. But yeah, I mean, if you're going, just going based off the $6 million compared to Neil Keen, I don't think it's any question. Uh, uh, please bring an escargot stand to M- Madis- Madison Square Garden. I have not had escargot in a while, so Monsieur Frank, uh, we will take that. All right, uh, Alfred Payton, I think we all are locks for no across the board bye-bye Alfred Payton yeah I mean I I feel bad because I feel like Payton who's a guy that can give you some tough minutes defensively he's a guy that's going to attack the rim which I like he just didn't do it effectively I mean you can't be missing layups left and right where you don't have a strong offensive game so I kind of feel bad he's been the whipping boy for the Knicks this season in a year where the Knicks fan basically loved everybody else who was on the floor consistently he was the one who became the the guy that they wanted out of the lineup so I kind of feel bad for him but yeah I think it's time to move on from yeah I think Alfred Payton definitely was a a victim of circumstance. I don't feel like he did things that really warranted keeping him, but it's not like they have to get rid of him, like per se. Like, it, I just think it wasn't a good fit. Nerlens Noel, what do you guys think? I, I like Noel. I think he did good things, especially defensively. If they could get him on another one year deal, uh, he made $5 million this year. I think that's a solid price if you could get him for another year. I definitely keep Noel. I mean, he did some great things throughout the playoffs before tweaking his ankle. And he held it down. I mean, Mitchell's been out, and he he helped get us to the playoffs. So, absolutely, he earned his stripes. He's an important piece. I mean, you nailed it, JYD. When Robinson went down, they they didn't really miss a beat with New Orleans Noel. He improved as a player. He was a legitimate rim protector for this team. He's got some fight in him. He's he's feisty. He's passionate. He even did some things offensively for them, and that's a problem when you're going to New Orleans Noel to be uh, an offensive force. But he even did some things getting to the free throw line and knocking down some free throws in the postseason. So I like New Orleans Noel. Look, put it this way. If you had a, a list, the top three players that performed or either exceeded or performed to their expectation in the playoffs, Noel was one of those guys. So, yeah, he won me over with his strong season as a backup center and then taking over as a starting center. I think the Knicks need to bring him back behind Mitchell Robinson. Reggie Bullock. Now, he got $4.2 million this year. I would bring him back, but he cannot be your starting small forward. Like, Reggie Bullock is a great bench player, but he should not be. He's getting overexposed in the starting lineup. He makes those big threes that rock the garden in the playoffs that's his thing so if you could get him for another you know one more year four or five six million whatever it is i think you got bring him back guys he's 30 years old and make him a bench player 
I'm with you. That's a position that definitely he can fulfill. I think that he did have a good regular season. I think his postseason wasn't anything extraordinary, but he throws some he he shows some some spots, but his role definitely would be coming off the bench and staying within that that price point. But I look at it like the point guard and the small forward positions are the two top free agent positions that need to be, you know, looked at for sure. Oh, Reggie Bullock, a three and D guy. He'll be back. You know why I know he'll be back? Because Tibbs loves him. It's as simple as that. He talked, how many times did he say he's our unsung hero? He loves guys that can play defense. And you, you in this league, you need those three and D guys. And he can play defense. You know, whenever you put a guy like that on Trey Young, you know, one of the premier scorers in the league, you're saying... This guy can play. Yeah, so they they clearly he trusts him. He will be back. And I think a valuable piece, but to your point, guys, that he's gonna thrive in more so of a bench role as opposed to being the starter. That would be my hope that the Knicks build a better team and you have Bullock coming off the bench where I think he could uh, be better than what he was this year as a starter. And he was good. He was the unsung hero. But again, you mentioned that they get exposed in the postseason. And the last one, and I guess we're not, we won't. Mentioned Theo Pinson because he's the resident clapper of the team. But Taj Gibson, a couple million bucks. Obviously, the Tibbs connection with Rose connection. I think if you could get him on the cheap, why not? He's a he's a leader. Uh, he's a good player. Another guy coming off the bench, started a bit in the playoffs, and that shows you you know how overmanned the Knicks were, that Taj Gibson, at this point of his career, is the starting center. Like him, another guy, good bench player, would bring him back for a year for a few million. I'm keeping Gibbs, man. This dude came in and gave us great minutes, great leadership, positive force, held it down, and is playing at the level that he should be at this point in time in his career. He's exceeding, actually, the level that he should be playing at his, in his in his career at this point. I love everything about Taj Gibson. You know, veteran presence, great attitude, uh, the passion that he brings to the floor, the fun that he has, the leadership. You know, at just some point, I don't know. I mean, maybe we just saw, and this is not to knock him because, again, I think he did a great job when he got m- many more minutes than we ever anticipated that he would get. Is he best suited as a guy who's going to be the third center on this team and really not see any minutes? I mean, we saw a lot of him. If you're going with a healthy Mitchell Robinson and you have Nerlens Noel to back him up, Norvell Pell, I mean, I would expect is is going to be here, right? Because he's signed up. He's going to be the, the third or fourth guy. You know, what's the role for Taj Gibson exactly on this on this team and if you do have him he's not going to really see the floor as much I think in in an ideal situation as we saw this year where he got a ton of minutes which wasn't probably expected guys a lot of these guys we go through are guys you look back yeah maybe for you they don't have outside Julius Randle and that's the next you know topic of discussion is this offseason he's going to be asking for his agents are on the line right now with Dolan and, and company and Leon Rose asking for that extension he's got 20 million coming to him but he wants more you know he's going to be asking for what 30 to 35 million plus a year in a multi-year deal and that's the guy you got to build around we said it with with ash we said he should be robin they need a batman so is this the off season to extend randall do you let him play out the one year will he play out the one year or do you throw him his flowers and give him a you know four year 140 million dollar deal this off season well i think you take your time during this off season to make that kind of decision just based on the fact that, you know, you have some potential free agents out there. The L.A. Clippers lost last night. I don't know if anybody noticed. But, you know, Dallas is up 3-2. They lose that series. Kawhi's a free agent. He can take his services and, and, and decide he wants to go to wherever he would like to go. And, 
he's a sort of big market guy. He's not looking into, you know, small market teams. I think that the LA system and, and all that might have run its course. So you could be looking at a potential huge free agent in that perspective. And there's others as well. But from that small forward position, that'd be a huge fine. Well, I mean, look, that, that would be ideal. We'll get into the potential moves that the Knicks can make with the list of free agents or potential free agents in a second here. But just to wrap up the Randall stuff, you know, I'm, it pains me to say this because I fell in love with him as a player this year. But there's maybe an in-between to where we were before the season, what we saw during the season, and then what we saw in the playoffs. I cannot be fully confident anymore after watching him struggle for five games in a row, the biggest games of the year, he played his worst basketball. He reverted back to old Julius Randle. I cannot all of a sudden with full confidence say, extend him, lock him up. The way that I did during the regular season where I said, this guy belongs in New York. He's taken this team under his wings. He has led this team. He has to be a main piece here. If you play like that in the playoffs, I mean, that that was eye-opening how bad he was. The drop-off, you know, I knock Carmelo all the time. Carmelo, when he got to the postseason, he still was Carmelo Anthony. He played his game that wasn't good enough at times for the Knicks but he played his game Julius Randle the drop off from what we saw as an MVP candidate in the regular season to the postseason that's alarming to me and I can't go out there and confidently say extend him 100 million he for sure is the guy I'm with JYD where I want to maybe be a little more patient and see how it plays out and maybe more than just see how it plays out in the regular season, more specifically, what happens in the playoffs with him next year, regardless of who's around him? Because they know that's a popular theme, right? Well, he doesn't have enough around him. And I understand that. However, they weren't, there wasn't enough around him in the regular season, and he thrived. He was great in the regular season. So how come the difference in the playoffs? That would make me a little concerned about going all in on Julius Randle being a cornerstone for this team moving forward. All right, guys, let's uh, you know let, let's let's have a closing statement here before we go to the off season wish list. I'll start it, guys. Fun season, memorable season. So good to at least be back at the garden, have fans back, see this team progress, see the youth. Emmanuel quickly work out. See the head coach in Tom Thibodeau work out. You got your coach. What we whatever Randall did in the playoffs, it wasn't great, but you at least have a superstar player there that you can build around. You have forty plus million dollars in cap space open this year to go get one of the guys that we'll talk about in just a minute in the offseason wish list. You know, they they were fun. They they played team ball in the regular season. They did things we never expected. They went on win streaks. They went on that monster win streak, whatever it was was nine games to close out the season before they lost a couple. There were so many fun memories from this team, and yes, it was a shortened season, and yes, it was a pandemic, but it helped us get through the you know the troubling times mid to end of the pandemic, if we want to say it's over. So many good memories from a team that we thought would develop and maybe win 25 to 30 games. So it was a season that I think we needed. As New Yorkers, we needed this. We needed an upbringing after what you know the pandemic did to the city. Businesses closing down. People you know losing lives. All the people that we lost. We've all known someone that we've you know we're close to that we might have lost in this pandemic. So I. I think for a city that's come back from before from you know 9-11 from you know many travesties over the years the Knicks were kind of that upbringing that that light that shining that light on a city where a lot of people left they said I'm leaving New York I can't afford it not coming back maybe one day I'll come back I think we needed this Knicks season to uplift our spirits of New Yorkers and I'm hoping they carry that to next year they have a good off season they have a, a much better management in place with Leon Rose and company leading the crew so there were a lot of positive 
positives to take from this year in what was a rough 2020 going into 2021 uh, for New Yorkers and honestly for our entire country? Well, uh, you know, I have to say this. I mean, for the Knicks, I have to agree with you, Jake. It was a tremendous season coming off of COVID. I think that the unsung heroes were the fans that definitely did the job. They were sit in a situation where, I mean, the city's been on lockdown. I look at the businesses coming back. I look at places like Brady's on 82nd and 2nd Avenue, Frank and and and, and Scotty. They, these are these are these people have had a pub and a bar in, on a corner since 1961 doing it. And you know what? Those businesses had games playing live. You know, I had friends tweeting me from their bar excited about the Knicks, rooting them on. And these are these are the places that are throughout New York that were closed, who had to suffer through a pandemic. But because the Knicks are in the playoffs and because the Knicks did the impossible this year, places like Brady's are back in action. They're getting the people back inside and having the opportunity to fellowship. So having said that, I'm saying that time to move forward, get into the lab with the front office. Make your changes, improve the team. You have a good foundation of of what you were able to see because New York was able to see the playoffs again. Pass, win, or fail, they were able to see the playoffs, and they haven't seen it in a long time. So shout out to uh, Tibbs on his work. Get back in the lab, sir. Shout out to all the players, especially Julius Randle and Derrick Rose. Without their leadership throughout the regular season, you know, wouldn't be here. Young players keep getting better. R.J. Barrett quickly Obi Toppin I think we have a good future and hey let's go Knicks yeah look anytime you make the playoffs I mean this is only the fifth time in the last 20 seasons that the Knicks made the playoffs so I think that that's a big deal especially considering the expectations going into the season where there weren't any expectations I have a a bad taste in my mouth for the way that it ended. They got embarrassed by the Atlanta Hawks in five games. They didn't play their game that they did in the regular season however they Gave you something to watch night in, night out. They were exciting for the course of 72 regular season games, which is something that they have not done the majority of the past two decades. So, yeah, looking back at it, you know, even with a disappointing end, even with a frustrating, embarrassing end of the season, looking back on that regular season, and I said it at the time and I'll say it again, it was one of the more fun seasons I could remember in my lifetime as a Knicks fan where I compared it to the enjoyment that I used to have watching those 90s Knicks. So they deserve a ton of credit for getting the city back interested in Nick basketball and the fans going out there being allowed back. That was a great thing. And seeing the garden uh, rise again and explode, you wish it would have ended differently uh, in the postseason or at least been more competitive with the Atlanta Hawks but overall a fun 2021 season for this Knicks team and making the playoffs coming out of nowhere with those expectations you know 20 wins to start the year just an incredible accomplishment coming up next we're going to look ahead for this Knicks franchise where you know they're in a better spot now than they've been in years past even coming off of the 54 win season and playoff appearances years ago they never had the future looking as bright as it seems to be right now after a year that they made the postseason and even with the disappointing end to it I think there's a lot of hope moving ahead for this franchise we'll look ahead to the offseason and the potential wish list for this group that's coming up next on Big Apple Buckets So we look now and I you know look a, a lot of people were and even us were discussing this during the course 
of the regular season, knowing that this team had limitations, knowing that there was a ceiling for this group. Okay, so who's next? Who's going to be the star players that the Knicks could potentially add here? And, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier, JYD, I guess the top guy, or at least one of the top guys, would be Kawhi Leonard. We'll see what happens with the Clippers and how they exit if he decides to decline the player option that he has. And you could throw in another guy, Chris Paul, who's also got a player option. I don't know if we need to go one by one necessarily here, but these are some of the names. Those are probably the two biggest names that the Knicks could potentially add. Is there one guy for you, JYD, that jumps out more than the other? I mean, Lonzo Ball has been brought up, Kyle Lowry. There's a bunch of names that could be possibilities for this Knicks team. Is there one or two guys that you think would be the missing piece to get this team over the hump next season? Okay, so those two pieces right there are clearly, they get you out of the first round flat out like you're not you're not gonna have this same conversation next year if you had Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard added to our roster eliminate whoever you need to in order to do that but there are some guys I think uh like a a guy like Alonzo Ball would definitely add to the young core and that would be a future strong piece because of the up-tempo that he adds to teams with his play I mean his court vision is elite his shooting obviously has been getting better and would need to continuously improve. But for the Garden, I believe that that would definitely be an uptick for that position. Would you rather go young here? I mean, I know Kawhi Leonard. If he, look, if Kawhi Leonard opts out and says, I want to go to the Knicks, I mean, there is no debate. I mean, you're taking him. But would you prefer that the Knicks go young at point guard as opposed to, say, Kyle Lowry or as opposed to Chris Paul, you know, guys who are 35 and 36 respectively? Would you prefer taking a, a chance on Lonzo Ball and having him continue to develop in the Knicks backcourt? Well, I think um, just based on where they are right now, I feel like, you know, Alonzo Ball would be a good asset to have. Now, if either one of those guys are saying, I want to go to the Knicks, obviously you take them (laughs) because that's a difference maker, right? But just looking at the whole perspective, I'm looking at Alonzo Ball and saying, you know what? Here's a guy was in LA and traded down. Now he's playing down South. Snatch him, snatch him up. My only worry is he's going to get overpaid, and then you're going to have Big Apple Ball in the family. You're going to have LeVar Ball courtside with Spike Lee and shenanigans going on left and right. I just don't know with LeVar Ball. He is such a charismatic guy. I don't know if, if we could handle him in the streets. He will be the walking Bravo Kim Kardashian. I guarantee he has a show on the E! Network or something. He gets it, so I worry about that. It really We'd comes have down to a guest on Big Apple Bucket. I don't Come know. On. No, I, I'll Come pass. Come on, Ball in the family. I mean, yeah, That's- if we want a head, if we're desperate for a headline, sure, we'll get LeVar Ball on the show. Now, it really comes down to they get one guy. And obviously, like you said, Sal, Kawhi Leonard's the number one guy on the list. And there's not even a debate. If Kawhi says come to the Knicks, he's the top guy. But when it's really, it, say they do get Kawhi. You can't get anyone else. It comes down to point guard. Because we talked about this team needing a point guard. And it's Chris Paul. Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, Lonzo Ball, you could argue point guard, and then Dennis Schroeder. If they ended up getting a Kawhi or a DeMar DeRozan, they're not going to get two stars, but they can get a Schroeder. Would you take some combo package of Kawhi and Schroeder or um, DeRozan and Schroeder or Otto Porter? Otto Porter doesn't excite me, but a Porter and a Schroeder, or are you looking guns blazing for one of those monster names, Sal? 
see, I'm not uh, necessarily a fan, Schroeder. To me, he does not, he doesn't do it. Uh, now, again, I don't even believe that Kawhi Leonard's, I know that that's a popular theme and Nick fans are going to hope. I, even if the Clippers lose, I, I'm not sure I'm believing he's going to want to leave and come to the Knicks. And that leaves the Knicks in, in I mean, again, in the same spot that we've kind of been in, whether it is, you know, um, KD or Kyrie turning them down. Well, I mean, you're hoping against hope that somehow, okay, well, the Clippers lose, Kawhi's going to uh, want to get out and come to the Knicks. And you're right, then on top of that, they would need a point guard. Put it this way, if they bring Kawhi in, I think it gives you flexibility to who you can have at the point. I don't think you necessarily need one guy over the other. I think you could live with Schroeder. You could live with Lowry, uh, Conley, Paul, whatever. I mean, Paul, you know, who knows if they'd be able to ever make that fit. I, don't, I would doubt that they would. But if they get Kawhi, it, it all revolves around him, and you could live with the point guard position. If not Kawhi, then what? Because is Ball the difference maker? Any of those other names the difference maker? They're not. That That's the issue that I would have is that they still need at least two players and probably then some to get to the level that we're trying to see this team get to. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not in love with Lowry. DeMar and Schroeder. I mean, I'll take that combination. If you, You're not going to get Kawhi. You don't want to come back with, you know, empty hand. You, I mean, DeMar DeRozan is, you know, still at a right below all-star level. I mean, you know, this this guy's been consistent mid-range jumper, you know, for over a decade. And he's helped San Antonio. And you take a Schroeder who has helped lift the L.A. Lakers to where they're at, their levels. You know, this is a kid you, you'd want to take. His length, his defense, getting to the cup. He's a strong penetrator. He gets to the basket. So those two right there, that would definitely be an uptick for sure to this roster. With Schroeder, DeRozan, Barrett, Randall, that's a pretty solid four right there with, you know, Mitchell Robinson and whoever else they bring in. You could live with that. Other names available, Evan Fournier, Danny Green. The list is pretty slim, honestly, after those guys, guys. I mean, Kyle Lowry, I'm not in love with, especially at 35. He didn't do a ton in Toronto. I think he's gotten bigger. I could live without Kyle Lowry. I like Mike Conley as an option. If you could get Mike Conley, if Chris Paul doesn't work out, or Schroeder, if you could get a Conley, if you get Conley and DeRozan, that is that is a huge haul. I don't know if they can afford that, but... Conley is another guy I like, but man, just give me Kawhi Leonard. I mean, how easy, how much, how happy would this offseason be if the Clippers, you know, go out in this series and the Knicks get Kawhi Leonard and they have that clutch guy they could go to in the playoffs to probably take a title to New York? My question would be, well, what if not, though? Right? Because odds are, let's just say the odds are when you're pinning your hopes on that one superstar and the Knicks have done it and they failed. So let's say he doesn't. In the likely event that he doesn't, then what? We've heard about the Knicks talk about, you know, forget free agents, talk about the the next disgruntled superstar. Who's that? I mean, I've dreamt about Dame Lillard. I highly doubt that that's ever going to become a realistic possibility. So, I mean, who, who's the guy then? And if, if it's not Kawhi Leonard, where are they getting better significantly this offseason? And that's why the draft is so important. That's why it's huge that, you know, whatever picks you, you may have, middle of the round, you know, late first round, it doesn't matter. You have to make sure you hit on those draft picks and the Knicks have a couple of first round draft picks as they got the uh, Mavs pick where I know early on everybody was talking about uh, you know that being a a top pick potential lottery pick well look at the Mavs now Knicks have the 19th and the 21st pick so I mean that that's we're holding I don't want to get to a spot again where it's all about the free agency and you're holding out hope about Kawhi Leonard it's possible 
I don't know if I would say it's realistic at this point. And any of those other names, while they would be upgrades, I don't know if they're enough of a difference maker, especially when you consider the way that Randall played in the postseason. So it's still going to be a long climb here toward the top of the NBA's Eastern Conference. Even with the East not being dominant, you still look at where the Sixers are, where the Nets are clearly with their talent, where the Bucks are. Long ways away for the Knicks. Even a team that finished fourth, they're clearly, you know, uh, have a long way to go. And it's been a fun year. No question about it. I think that there's positive signs from this year. And I think that there's reason for legitimate hope, but there's still ways to go. It's been a fun season. And we appreciate you guys listening to Big Apple Buckets all season long. We'll be back after the NBA draft that we talk about and and discuss whatever the Knicks do decide to do. Uh, Who knows, uh, you know, what possibilities will happen after that. But we'll be back with uh, another episode after that NBA draft. JYD, it's been been a pleasure man this has been you know we knew we were getting into the big apple buckets going to talk some knicks basketball i don't think any of us jake none of us thought that we'd be here talking about the knicks in the playoffs as a four seed win or lose they gave us something to watch day in day out of course of the regular season and gave us that playoff series nobody thought that that would be the case what a year together in big apple buckets we experienced it with this knicks team come on man big apple buckets is big time man Everybody's listening to Dog Pounders out there, and they got us a steak dinner. Shout out to the Knicks. Shout out to the fans. And uh, Jake, he's got an offseason now to get in shape, rekindle <laughs> his his love fest of food, and really give us what's the next, like, is it the salami, pastrami? What is it that's going to be the next fan favorite dish that Jake is coming off of his offseason. He's going to come to us with something <laughs> that he's tried that's got, I mean, what was it? The chocolate the, covered uh, uh, the meat meatballs candy? or something. Oh Whatever God. it is, chocolate he's going to have meatballs. something new for the dog pound to try out. Well, I did have the pulled pork at the game last night, so I did go pulled pork after having the meat candy, uh, the famous meat candy I showed <laughs> meat you the picture candy. of. That's what I was that's, talking that's about. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. I'm looking forward to that as well as after the draft, bringing back Big Apple Bucket because you know I'm out here hot and heavy. NBA Summer League is here in Las Vegas, and I'm going to have dibs on straight up getting to this next generation of New York Knicks. See what they got. I'll have the dog pound scoop coming at you on Big Apple Buckets. Stay tuned. I might come to Vegas to get the steak dinner from JYD. Maybe maybe oh, that'll sure. make it work. He came oh, here when, sure. when I was not here. The Literally one week in the last like decade I wasn't in New York, JYD decided to come here. So maybe I come to Vegas. Uh, I'm dangerous in Vegas. The good thing about the Knicks not playing is it saves my wallet from hmm. thousands of dollars or more playoff tickets. So uh, thank you, Knicks, for uh, saving my financial ruins that I'm in because of, because of you guys. So fun season, guys. Love doing it with you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you July. A July NBA draft. The the weird year continues here. Dog pound. That does it for us for episode 49, the Shandon Anderson edition of Big Apple Buckets, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mugia for producing the show. Catch up on all the episodes that you might have missed this season by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Jerome Williams, the Junkyard Dog, I'm Sal Licata. We'll be back in late July after the NBA draft. We really appreciate your support, and thank you for listening all season long. Stay safe. Let's go Knicks.